podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Celtic state of mind. It's the last Axon Bulletin of the week. It's Friday afternoon. We've got a big game tomorrow, and I'm joined by Lloyd Patrick Jepson, James French, Brian Degnan, Jim Orr. It's five sides, and we're going to be unraveling the week that we've just had. I'm going to come straight to you, James. We're talking Liam Scales. Yet another part of the Liam Scales resurgence story happened on Tuesday night. How Impressed were you? Under the cosh, how impressed were you with, with his performance? Yeah, I think people will be sick of listening to me talk about Liam Scales at this stage, but um, I think, yeah, he was brilliant the other night now. I think he's really kind of um, dismissed any kind of talks that Liam Scales was a bad football player, because I think that was kind of a lingering um, talk among a lot of Celtic fans. But listen, I thought he was absolutely brilliant now, being honest. Um, just composure. The way Liam Scales obviously... Not he's not a huge guy, he's six foot one, whatever. But I thought he was really aggressive in the tackle as well and just really dealt with um what fine art had to throw at us really well, I think. Um once again, like the Rangers game, he outshone Lagerwelk. Um mm. but yeah, I think Liam Scales, he's he's really kind of um changed a lot of Celtic fans' minds about him and listen, long may continues and when Naraki and Cameron Carter come back there might be a there might be a bit of a um more competition for that, that starting centre-back role. No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I want to just focus on that nine-man performance, right? Because I, I just believe that, you know, in adversity, you can be galvanised by situations like that. You step up, uh, sink or swim. All the cliches are coming out already in the first five minutes of this one, Lloyd. Um, we know James is a fan of Liam Scales. I, it's not that I wasn't a fan. I hadn't seen enough to suggest that he would be able to displace not even the first two in terms of the centre-halves. I didn't think he was third choice or even fourth choice. I've said, and, and I've said it again, I thought he was fifth choice when we started <clears> this season. But he's been given an opportunity and he's really grasped the nettle. Um, and like James, I now think that he is he is definitely going to be classed as a backup um, at the very worst once everybody's back fit and playing against Lloyd. He's done a great job. Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, every game he's come in and called upon, he's literally grabbed that jersey. And it's his to lose at the minute. Even when fully fit, I would still reckon he would still get in there. Because he's proven at league level, Champions League level so far, he's performed well better than what we all expected. So on that, I generally do think he's... We all said with Tony Ralston a few years ago, he grabbed his jersey and William Scales was doing the exact same thing. And he is the Tony Ralston of this season. Yeah, isn't he? definitely is. Yeah, definitely is. And these are the type of things as football fans we enjoy seeing. We enjoy seeing that kind of guy who comes in to the team, grabs the jersey, and takes up runs well. You're right, and it's great being proved wrong. I mean, listen, I was praying that Barkas would prove me wrong and a Jetty would prove me wrong. It didn't happen, guys, right? Um, and I don't think a Yeti's gone away and scored a barrel load of goals in Turkey yet. So, uh, but in saying that. 
the Stoke fans are raving about Hacks of Banovich. I don't know if you saw that the other, the other night. Um, you said grabbing the jersey. Lloyd, I'm going to make this point before I move on to anyone else's view. How good did that jersey look the other night that you're wearing? It looks fantastic on. It's, a, it's one of the ones it that does. looks even better on, doesn't it? It does, but I kind of wish I had the Celtic Foundation sponsor on it because it looked even better with that one. Why don't they give you that option up at the Superstore? You know, you buy a, a sponsorless jersey and get the foundation on it and the money that it costs to get it put on goes to the foundation. There you go. Just do something. Aye, doing their job for them there, Brian. Um, yeah, we're talking centre-halves. It's a good point Lloyd makes. Um, right, if we go into the game tomorrow and everybody's fit, where's Liam Scales in the pecking order for you, Brian? Or do you play him because he's not done enough to lose the jersey? I mean, I think if, if everyone's fit, it's a different conversation, right? Because you're, you, you're looking at Carter Vickers and Phil Nerovsky as your, your centre-back pairing. However, like like um, Lloyd very accurately said, he is the Ralston of this season. And I think that the guy's in there, he's fighting for it. And what you get with players like that is, there's things he lacks in his game, but he's so determined to make an impression, so determined to keep him fighting for it, that you want that. And actually... If you look at the positives from Tuesday, and I'm kind of in your camp, Paul, I think there were a lot of positives. The, the, the main positives was a sort of spirit and endeavour and drive and sort of work ethic in the team, which, yeah, should always be prerequisites, but aren't always. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lack of quality in Tuesday, which is a problem, and I think we'll probably come to it later. But in terms of where scales is, I think at the moment, you know, I actually said that, so last week I, I've been proved wrong because I said they should be dropped and it should be Nat Phillips and uh, Lagerbook. And I'm happy to be proved wrong because Big Skills has come in. He's, he's looked apart in these past few games when there's been a lot of pressure on him. And, and fair play to the lad. I'm delighted for him. And if it, if it means Celtic are doing well, I'm very happy to be wrong. No, exactly. That is always the way. Now, Jim, going into these games, um, we speak all the time about European aspirations. We go into that match and I felt a wee bit for Brendan because before we get to recruitment and, and what he had at his disposal... I actually felt that he put out a team that was matching Feyenoord. We had a game plan that was working to a point and then situations arose that put him in an impossible situation, an unwinnable situation, sending offs, etc. Um, what does it do for the nine men, in, in your view, Jim? Does it galvanise them? Does it give them an extra layer of confidence, maybe looking at Feyenoord at home and thinking, we, we were able to go toe-to-toe with these guys for maybe 50 minutes. We can do better next time round. I think a lot of things happened the other night. I mean, I said last time, apart from Ibrox, I think we've been pretty poor this season. It's a massive step up into Europe. But I thought with a bit of luck at home, we could maybe do something. But away from home, I didn't expect anything. No surprise to have lost the game. Like you, I thought it was pretty even first half. I thought they weren't too clever. They looked a bit nervous as well. First time back in the Champions League, they were giving the ball away as well. I thought the team was set up well. Uh, maybe apart from Palmer, I'd have went for Yang. Uh, we looked pretty comfortable mm-hmm. in that first half. In the same, the same way that Dundee looked pretty comfortable last week at halftime. Uh, but goals change games. And in those kind of games, team that scores first gets a bit of confidence. And as I'm sure it's been said this week, fine margins with all this stuff. How the wall was, was set up. Joe Hart takes, takes a step to the other side. People were pointing out the fact that the Fairness guys were in the wall and that's against the rules and what what have you. So, But after they scored, they grew in confidence. I thought they played really well, much higher tempo, even before the sending off. So once you get out in nine men, it becomes a bit farcical. So I don't think you can judge much after that. I mean, 
in reality, it could have been five or six. You know, the offside goals, the penalty save. But the guys battled well and they kept the score down to two, which might be significant. Who knows, come the, come the last game with Feyenoord, because maybe if the other two teams are much better than us, maybe it's up to between the two of us to get maybe, maybe get that third place. Uh, I think the teams in our group are not on the same level as what we played last season. And uh, mm. the sending offs for me, I mean, uh, I said, I've said past few weeks we're weaker than we were last season. And I thought we needed experience, athleticism, physicality. Uh, but I'd wait till the end of the transfer window to see how that went. But it's the old saying, if you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And I don't, I don't blame the two really inexperienced young players like I sent off. I blame recruitment and that because we needed experience for the Champions League and we didn't have it. So Brendan had to play the cards he was dealt with. With guys like Palmer making his making his debut. Uh, I know for loads of injuries, but they're at the back. You know, I don't think this season, apart from Ibrox, we've looked that clever midfield to front. We don't lose if we only scored goals. And Tony Haggerty used to be on the Friday programme we talked about what was it, rip rolling, never boring, you know, uh, always scoring Glasgow Celtic. I think we're a bit boring this season and we're not really scoring and we're not particularly rip rolling. But the other night I thought <laughs> I thought we did okay, like you said, Paul, up to half time. Perfectly fine, fine margins. I thought if we'd have scored first the other night, the chances are we'd have likely won the game. But I'm concerned about Europe because we really don't have the experience, nor the physicality, nor the athleticism, I think, to compete at that level. And that's against teams this year that I think are a step down from the teams we played last year. So that's a bit of a concern for me. Mr Negative kicking off a Friday. <laughs> Listen, I don't see it as negative. I think it's uh, balanced, Jim, if I'm being honest. And we'll move on to the recruitment because a lot has been made this week. We've spoken not just about the transfer window gone by. We've looked at the last three transfer windows and asked the question, has enough quality come in? It's players of an immediate impact. Have they come in? And the point I made, James, the other night is that we had one player starting the game who we signed last season, and that player was Alistair Johnson, who I think universally is loved by the Celtic support, and that's down to his performances, the way that he approaches the game. Um, it's a wee bit deeper than just this transfer window, I believe, James. I just don't think we did the transfer business last season that we should have done. Yeah, listen, I think um, in terms of just Celtic and like playing in York, where it's always going to be a question of experience, and just the way Celtic are in the, the football food chain, like to both Benfica, Ajax, we're always going to have Obviously, kind of younger players with you to send them on in the future. Just, just unfortunately, the way football has gone um, for clubs like Celtic. But a hundred percent, I think the recruitment this summer and last summer have just hasn't been good enough. I think the board. I know we could go on forever talking about the board, but I, I don't think they have a view to seeing us be really, um, really competitive in Champions League and Europa League. I don't think they have that ambition to. I think they're kind of happy to get to the group stage, get the 25 million or 30 million or whatever the prize money is and kind of just take that and move on really, which is, it's it's sad, it's sad really for Celtic fans really because it's um, it's just going to be really unlikely for us to to go far in Europe. But if you look even look at the Champions League performances last season, you look kind of the three areas that we struggled. Defence midfield, we lack physicality, we lack um, a destroyer kind of. Left back, where Taylor, who to be fair, he wasn't wasn't terrible the other night, but left back is a weakness, and in goalkeeper, is just another uh, position that we haven't um, we haven't improved at all. But um, recruitment, I think it's in terms of tactically the other night, I think Rogers got a spot on. He kind of has to 
you have to be you have to play with your, the cards you're dealt like and I thought Rogers done that really well that midfield three of um, McGregor Tati O'Reilly I think we that first half performance we saw them really back to their best um, of what that midfield three can produce in, in Europe um, the, I was here in a week that final where midfield was really obviously a lot of talk they were going to play us off the pitch and stuff by Dutch pundits um, but that Dutch midfield I thought we just really dealt really well with them um, I think mm-hmm. Weifer in, for in midfield for final he's a Dutch internationalist and he looked pretty average against O'Reilly Hattati and McGregor to be honest but yeah. um, what, what do you feel about Hattati's Hattati's performance on Tuesday night? Who you talking to? Um, I thought <laughs> I presume, yeah, I thought Matate was uh, just kind of lacking that bit of confidence and swagger that he normally has in these kind of games. Um, I thought, yeah, I think he obviously won the back, but they won the ball back a few times on Tuesday, but just didn't have that belief and confidence to kind of make that killer pass or take that shot like on. And he's just kind of lacking in confidence definitely I'd say at that day at the moment um, which hopefully will come back in time in the next few games Yeah you do hope so because I mean we've seen enough to know that he's a an extremely talented young man Lloyd I'm going to come to you because James raised the point there in relation to uh, what are our aspirations because you know when you bring in a manager like Brendan Rodgers I don't know how much he's on a year but he's a, he's a very well paid manager potentially on the biggest salary we've ever paid for a manager coming in and um, when we brought him in and I, st- I stick by this at the moment I've not seen anything to change my mind he's the right man for the job and he was the right man at that time for the job but in terms of the recruitment and progressing in Europe I don't think we did anything in a transfer window to suggest that that's what we tried to do so then you start to get the feeling that the board are quite happy to hedge their bets and say you know what this brilliant manager that we brought in who's very expensive he'll get us through this wee bit here we'll buy you know, six or seven development players. Um, but Rogers will still get us through um, the, the new year and we'll still be playing European football after Christmas, which Rogers mentioned last week. And maybe in January, we'll go and buy these guys that are a wee bit more proven, and a wee bit more experienced. I don't think that's good enough, Floyd. I just think that that, that is lacking an, an ambition. Now, I'm not saying we can go and spend 50 million in a transfer window, but I think we can spend our money better. Yeah, of course we can, but um, it also comes down to you can start looking at January targets now if you want, but if we're not in European football after Christmas, yep. so, so you've got that aspect to look at. There's something I looked on this morning as well, and it was the last five Champions League campaigns we've had. We've only won two games out of 25 games, which is Ajax and Anderlecht. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. One was at home, one was away. So Mm. a European record in Champions League isn't good enough. Especially not the last... Miles off. It's miles off. So it comes down to, once again, recruitment over all these years. The board's just happy. Right, we'll get to the Champions League. We'll get a good BPA day. Well, look, we'll have £72 million in the bank. And what will we do with it? It's, 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 it's not good enough as a club. No. 
It's no, not. I, I don't think the board's aspirations match many of the Celtic fans. You don't speak for anyone else other than yourself, but I don't. I don't think that they do match the ambitions of the fan. Mm. But what happens, Brian? What tends to happen is you have this early season ambition, and it goes up to the point where you want to do well and you want to bring in the players in time. You want to have that settled squad. Then you have the disappointment of Europe, and as Lloyd says, it's almost season on season. And once Europe's out the way, you concentrate on the domestic game. And by the Scottish Cup final at the end of the season, that's all you're concentrating on. Do you think the boards know this? They know that that is the trajectory of a fan's emotional kind of um, scale from the beginning of the season, where we're full of aspirations, full of ambitions. But once they're taken away from you, you, you know you've just basically got to to deal with your domestic territory and, and beating the, the team that's closest to you. Invariably, that team will be Rangers. And do you think the board can play on that a wee bit? I think they do. I think there's two ways to look at this. If you look at it from a business perspective, the board can say the past 20 years has been, you know, almost unparalleled domestic dominance. And with that, they've got the healthiest cash balance they've ever had. Yep. So as a business, there's no re- they don't have any reason to change their approach. Whether they should or not, it's a different conversation. But they don't really have any reason to change it. In terms of the recruitment, the system that's in place just now for this transfer window was the same as last season and the same as the win- window before under Ange. I said many times that Ange worked within our system. He just done it better than anyone else. He just got the right players at the right time for the right amount of money. He tried that approach the following season, didn't quite work. I don't know how these players are going to work this season. But ultimately, it has to Brendan Rogers has to be as much as accountable as anybody else. We can't always just blame the board. Because if Brendan Rogers is he said at first he was a coaching manager and he coached the players that's there. Then he said he's got final say over transfers. Then he said he's not happy with the transfers. And the guys that, you know, youth guys he sent out loan and you go, Bill, you get that that doesn't ring true to me. He said he was coming in to assess the squad at the start of the season. Now, at the start of the season, you could write on paper, left-backs, two, one's no great, of you know, a lot of potential. Right-backs, two, attackers, two, centre-backs, mm-hmm. seven, or whatever it was. Clearly, a blind man in a dark room with sunglasses on could see we need to cover it full-back. We probably need a keeper since the first goal keeper's 36, and we need another striker for cover. Brian Rogers didn't cover those positions. He never signed a striker, he never signed a left-back, and he never signed a keeper. So that's not necessarily the club's fault because he was backed and he made the choices of who to bring in. So I think that, you know, that, that people keep talking as well and saying we should be buying, you know, we've got 30 odd million in the bank each year, profit or whatever. Spend that on players and you go, right, okay, so you spend that on players to get in the Champions League. Spend that on three players, right? Say they don't settle in the country. They get injured, they don't like their teammates, they don't enjoy Brendan Rodgers. Or, see, they do really well in the Champions League, but they're just in a bad group. So you don't get out of that Champions League. So you're not making that extra money. So you put another 30 million in to get the extra 10 million you get if you get to the last 16. How sustainable is that over a period? It's no. So I, I get people's frustrations about no spending the money. I think it has to be spent properly. I don't think it's the amount that's the issue. I think it's the, the scouting and the decision-making as yeah. much as. And I say, just that what I would say, though, is Lloyd mentioned the 70 million that's the bank. That should be reinvested into the club in terms of stadium renovation, QR codes, paperless tickets, 
you know, top recruitment guys, sports scientists, all that good stuff. Because what you can do is, if you've got Real Madrid here, we can't compete to buy their players or pay their wages. We simply can't. But there's no reason we can't have as good of facilities, as good of staff, as good of training. There's no reason we can't have that. There's not that big a gap there. We've got the money to do that. So we should be mm-hmm. concentrating on that. So I do think, um, you know, the, the money should be reinvested. But I think through the investment in the club and the scouting and the sustainability, I don't think it's one money it, it players, if you're selecting the wrong ones, is going to work. It has been I agree right with that. Cost. I agree with that. And some of the great images that I saw of the likes of JP who had gone over to Feyenoord on Tuesday night were all massive, big um, celebratory murals and all that. And I keep banging on about it. Why don't we do that kind of stuff outside the stadium? Make it a place that, um, you know, all around the footprint you can visit from all over the world and have a proper experience. Now, Jim, I just said there about the board's aspirations versus the fans' aspirations. Where do you think the board's aspirations are? We seem to have this same conversation season after season after season and I agree with Brian and some of the things that he was saying about it's, it's actually not about the money it's actually what I've said in the past it's not about buying big it's about buying smart uh, and it depresses me uh, I mean our new manager is not it, the reason he's here is to win things how do you win things do you get the best possible players at your disposal to win things has he got the best possible players that he could have had no he's not and what we were saying before the transfer windows closed was, aye, the really good players go at the end of the window, the guys that are popular, the guys that are hard to get. So you're thinking, okay, well, let's wait to the end of the window and we get Nat Phillips on, on loan. So mm. this has happened before, season after season. And the point I was trying to make earlier about experience, I don't, I mean, you know, no doubt when I say this, there's going to be comments about this guy's got no ambition. But for me, experience is a major, major thing. And if I look at the last couple of seasons, Aaron Moy cost us nothing, made a huge contribution. Uh, Juranovic cost us two, three million pounds. A regular starter in one of the top countries in the world, Yakimakis, cost us less than three million pounds. Top scorer yeah. in the Dutch league. Bags of experience, they're no longer there. They made a huge contribution before. What did we buy this time round? No experience at all. You go to Feyenoord and you get dumped by teams who do have experience. Maybe not at Champions League level, but European experience. And for me, I think there must be players out there uh, who are maybe 27, 28, 29 years old, playing in the the Swedish League, Norwegian League, uh, Dutch League, whatever, who must have years and years of European experience. Maybe not at their peak. Maybe they just passed their peak. Maybe they played for their national team five years ago and get 20-odd caps. But guys have got the nous to know what you do in Europe who would love the chance to come to Celtic Football Club to compete in Champions League, to play in front of 60,000. But that's not our model. Our model is to go out there and buy loads of young guys that we hope are going to make us money. And that's the thing. I mean, Lloyd or Brian talked about the £70 million sitting in the bank. I mean, it's, it's an astonishing amount of money. And I'm currently writing Bender at the bonnet. At the time, we'd, 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 we'd £6 million of an overdraft, about to go bust. You could never conceive 29 years ago that we'd have £70 million sitting in the bank. And a, and a business is there to make money. So if you've got £70 million, you don't have it sitting there. You use it to make more money. And I'm not too sure that we'd planned for this £70 million. I'm really not that sure. And what we'll also find strange is, is, is the fact that 
Also, we made a profit of 40 million quid. So we need to pay tax on that because that's what you do. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> so, so uh, most, most football clubs do, Jim. Most do. Most football clubs do because that's the rules. You need to follow the rules. But another point that was really interesting in the Peter Law statement, and I had to write this down because I wouldn't forget it. So the average age of the squad is 24. So real potential for development. And that just says to me, we've bought more assets and we're going to get more money on these assets. And you can't, you can't argue that Celtic is not a phenomenally well-run business. And I think what kind of tends to happen is that football fans tend to mix them both together. But if you keep them separate, if you say, as a business, £120 million income and they made £40 million on that. So they spent... <laughs> Eighty million pound and made forty million pound of a profit. They made a fifty percent markup on that. That's, that's astonishing business. It's, 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 it's a brilliant business. But on the football side of things, I think they got it wrong. Personally, opinion. I don't speak for anyone but myself. I think it's not all about buying all these young guys in, and hopefully it will work out. I watched the second half of the game last night, and their main rivals bossed a pretty good Spanish team. With they've got loads of experienced players in their team. Not they're not a great team, obviously. But that experience kind of helps in those kind of games. We throw in a lot of inexperienced players into a major European game. What do you expect? You expect to fail. Of course you expect mm. to fail. And I'm, I'm not, as I said before, I'm not trying to be too negative, is that I, I kind of question what the motivation of the manager was to come back. It wasn't to come back to this. Surely it wasn't to come back to this. Because the actual fact, and maybe we'll, we're going to talk about other things later on, I think our performances, as I said earlier, have been pretty poor. We've not been great to watch. We're not scoring goals and we're just kind of getting by. It's brilliant that we're four points clear after only five games. And we won at Ibrox, which was, which was, which was fantastic. But I've got some concerns about this season. And back in July, I said I'm a bit concerned that we maybe sleepwalking into this season. And there's bits of the season I think that may be the case. But in terms of the business, it's doing astonishingly well. In terms of the players that we bring in, we do need experience. We do need physicality. We do need athleticism. Everyone's saying this. Mm. Everyone is saying this. So why don't we? And the manager knows a thousand times more than we do. And I'm sure he won't. Because he talks about quality. That's the word he uses. We don't have enough quality. But quality is about experience, athleticism, physicality, skill. You combine all these, that's, that's quality. And he knows himself he doesn't have the quality. And if I was him, I'd be concerned about the fact that, you know, I've not got what I wanted. And therefore, I need to use all my, all my experience as a manager to yeah. try and get some sort of success here. And it mm -hmm. shouldn't be like that. We should have been walking out the first game of the season there, Ross County at home, with squad, sorry, with, with a first team that were better than last season, and we didn't. Right, Jim, I think you've made a brilliant point on, on the experience. Uh, I, want, I want to touch on that because there's nothing against the players that were brought in. And see, in two years' time, we might have something, someone that we've developed just like we developed Jota. We might have, so we're not writing them off. But what you you said there in terms of the actual experience that's walked out the, the club, you mentioned Aaron Moy. Yeah, very, very shrewd bit of business. Definitely an Ange pursued signing. And he'd done a brilliant job. Then he retired. So he's out the building. But the other three people you mentioned I find very interesting, right? Well, you mentioned yeah, Juranovic and Yakamakis. I'm going to throw Starfelt into that mix as well, right? So Starfelt is 28 years of age. Juranovic is 28 years of age. And, oh, look, Yakamakis is 28 as well. So they weren't that model of 20 to 23-year-old to pick up for between one and a half to maybe three and a half million quid. They were a different type of signing. We've lost all that experience times four 
and that experience hasn't been replaced. I think it's a it's a pivotal point. There weren't enough signings like the Yakamakis James, who was the top goal scorer um, at the to- in the top league in in the, the Netherlands. There there wasn't the same quality brought in or experience of Josip Juranovic, for example, when we went back in. And by the way, I'm not saying we need a right back. I think Johnson is tremendous. But we have lost a lot of that experience. Um, do you think we just got the balance wrong in the recruitment this season, James? Um, I think, obviously, experience plays a huge part. But in terms of, if even if you look at Feyenoord, their recruitment, they think this is the first time they're competing in the UEFA Champions League for six, seven years. Um, they... Obviously sold uh, Aaron Kotchu, the Turks International, 25 million. I think one other player for 5 million. We were the same. We sold Jota for 25. We sold Starfield for 5. I think they brought in four players for a minimum fee of 5 million pounds. So they spent 20 million pounds on four players. And then obviously made other signings as well. And if you kind of compare that to ourselves, we've obviously signed a Rocky for, I think it's 5 or 6 million. But that's our only real signing above that 5 million threshold. Which just isn't really good enough when you when you're trying to make that step up into the Champions League, you need to be making signings that real quality signings above that five million mark. Um, obviously it's not about the transfer fee. Look at Rio Tate, Matt O'Reilly. These guys came for absolute pennies, like. But just to to really be competitive in the Champions League, you need to make signings above that kind of five million pound threshold, which we didn't do. And um, exp- uh, just to touch on experience as well. If you look at Ajax's run to the Champions League, I know Ajax obviously in a different world at the moment to us, but over well, five, six years ago, they got to the Champions League semi-final. That team wasn't just a bunch of kind of wonder kids. They had real experience there to kind of help them young players grow and to develop and go as far as they did in the Champions League. And I, I think um, Jim Spahn, I don't think we have that experience at the moment at, at that European level. Um, I think now Phillips obviously would have helped uh, loads. Yeah. In Rotterdam, um, Champions League experience, Premier League experience. He doesn't, he doesn't make that mistake. Lagerbelt does, um, and I think yeah, experience, quality. Um, just to touch on what Jim said as well, uh, physicality I think was a huge issue. Um, the other night, I think our midfield got bullied a bit by, by their three, um, their three centre midfielders, and um, they're they're much more physical, much quicker over the grass, um. And then, but it's kind of it's sad because in terms of tech, technical ability, our midfield are really really good. It's just we need kind of a destroyer in that midfield um, who can offer that physicality. I love that a destroyer, and that's what Alan Morrison's been asking for as well. <laughs> getting the big destroyer in the midfield, a big Wanyama type. Um, I'm going to. I'm very keen actually to bring in a lot of the comments because there are loads of different opinions in relation to what happened this week. Stephen Sloan and anyone asking why Stephen Sloan always up in the screen and Jungle Lion and Magnet sixty seven and Kevin Mullen because you're getting early with the the comments, so he's right at the top of the pile. And then when I start working my way down, uh, the names and the faces might be a wee bit different. In the summer, Alicia Warsaw sold their best defender to Celtic for €5 million. Euros. They spent 650 k on new players and they beat Aston Villa in Europe last night. Yeah, it's about, as Jim and Brian have uh, said many, many times in the past, you're spending smarter. Spend, we've got the money spend it a lot smarter. Now, Magnet67, I thought there were plenty of positives from the performance. I've got to agree with that. I do tend to agree with that. Sometimes it's hard to see through the disappointment um, and the the kind of anguish after a big uh, defeat like that. But yeah, there are some positives to look at and we'll try and focus on some of them going into the Olivia game. Jungle Lion, Roger's not happy. 
with the summer transfers. And yeah, I think a lot has been read into his comments. I've seen the word content quoted by just about every single uh, news source out there. And obviously what I would suggest is just go and listen to the interview for yourself. Make your own mind up. I don't see it as a Terminado-style interview. I think that he was, uh, he's was he been asked that question so many times that um, he, he's, he's basically reframing the answer time and time and time again. Kevin Mullen, afternoon, Axel. Want to see a good performance tomorrow? I feel we haven't really seen a wow performance Yet, yet, slow start to the season, time to get in the gear. Yeah. Uh, you're echoing what Jim has said already. And I'll need to say, uh, with regards to James, if you come on to Axom, you've not really arrived until you get a nickname. And the underwater cabbage salesman has given you a nickname. You are now the Shamrock Shadow. So there we go, the Shamrock <laughs> Shadow, James French. Hey, by the way, there could have been worse nicknames than that. Lloyd, you've been likened to um, a James McCarthy lookalike. Is that right? I don't know what I've been compared to anymore. You've been, I hey, listen, I've been compared to a lot of things. <laughs> listen, you, you, you've played as many games as James McCarthy. That's that's one thing I would point out. Now, the, the tagline, forget European hangovers, who starts at centre-half against Livy? We'll come back to some of the, the issues that uh, were highlighted the other night. But I want to look at the centre-half partnership because we put it out yesterday in a blog. James McKenzie and I were talking about the fact that Lazio's coming up, but before then, We've got Livy and, and Motherwell, Livingston away, Motherwell away, and then Lazio at home. And we know that uh, Lagerbelk will not be featuring against Lazio. Um, all the other defenders, I think Brennan Rogers was questioned yesterday about them. Obviously, Carter Vickers is still going to be out until the beginning of October. Nat Phillips is a doubt for tomorrow, so we don't know if and when he'll be back. If he was to be back, Lloyd, for the Motherwell game, say, I still don't know if it's a good idea to then try and create another partnership prior to Lazio. So um, I think the the blog that James wrote yesterday was saying, whoever we're going to be playing, whoever we know is going to be playing against Lazio at centre-half, is it an idea to start them now? Play them against Livingston, play them against Motherwell, or are you more of a take-each-game as an as a individual challenge and play Lagerbielk tomorrow because he's fit? I would probably go away play lag about tomorrow, just on that basis that if Nat Phillips isn't fully fit, do you want to risk more injury on a plastic pitch? Because we're already down enough numbers as it is in defensive areas. So I would generally like to think Lagerbell could play tomorrow, but with regards to the Motherwell game then, you would probably be hoping that Phillips would be fully recovered for that with regard to starting versus Lazio. Yeah, I mean, after the game, after the Dundee game, uh, Roger spoke about him rolling his ankle, Brian, uh, but there's not really been a, a time frame, an estimated time of return for Nat Phillips. So we don't know if he's going to be fit for that. So we do know that Scales, hopefully, barring an absolute disaster, will be fit and ready to play against Lazio, who plays alongside him. The, the pitch yesterday is that we've only got one other. If you take Lagerbelk out of the equation, because he's going to be suspended for the game, there is only one other centre-half, and that's Tomoki Awata who came on the other night, eighth choice centre-half. Um, do you play him against uh, Livy? How do you how do you approach that situation, that dilemma, Brian? So I, I kind of agree with Lloyd. I think we need to, you need to win the game against Livy because it's very difficult and it's on a plastic pitch, so you don't want to gamble too much. But I think against Motherwell, the game before the European game, you probably have a centre-back pairing you're thinking about starting against Lazio. You have to start to just give him that 
that 90 minutes. I, I don't think they can really... You saw what happened when we played Hitati. Um, you know, after no start in the game. He's no start to the game. He's no start to the season where when he has played, he's come back for an injury and we fling him right in and it doesn't work. Palmer was much the same. He he wasn't great either. So I, I don't think we can do that. I think you need a, a bit more a bit more cautious about it. Um, and I just... I, I'm kind of like... You know, I'm starting to feel like... It feels like a weird shadow over this season for me a wee bit. A shamrock uh, a, shadow. A shamrock mm. shadow, aye. Um, <laughs> He actually looks like one of those witnesses you get on a BBC documentary. <laughs> the, oh, dearie yeah. me. Dearie yeah. me. That's a better nickname. That's a better nickname. Well done. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I think that there's a wee bit of shallow casting. I see, I, I, I slightly disagree about the, the Rogers comments because I think Rogers has got previous for this. And I don't think it was as bad as the Terminado stuff and all that. But if you're, if you're in work, right, and your boss comes up to you and says, are you having a good date work? And you go, no, no. But who is having a good date work? That's clearly you're, you're being passive aggressive. So, you know, he's, he's too clever a man not to pick his words. And even if he didn't really mean it, said it by accident, he's got to know it's going to be a headline. And it's just, it's just that extra like, little bit of attention and thing you don't want. We don't need it now. We need to just focus and, and, and no worry about what's going behind the scenes, no worry about transfers. He can answer that a million different ways for me. I mean, like I said, yeah, I'm delighted with the players we've got in. They're really good players and we're going to work. Obviously, we're always looking to improve, but I'm very happy. There you go. Maybe a lie. Doesn't matter. That's not how you, you present publicly. So, I, I just... I've not had that moment. The Rangers game aside was a good in isolation, but I've not that... I've not hugely confident or hugely excited about what I'm going to see. It just seems like kind of weird. There's something not quite right. And um, But look, I'm, I'm as sort of wildly emotionally eclectic as anybody else so if you absolutely scud Livy I'll be cartwheeling and saying Brennan Rogers is the best ever but for the moment I'm just a wee bit concerned at how things are panning out Yeah I, I do think there is concern there is and, and we look at everything we, we listen intently to every word that comes out of Brennan Rogers' mouth like you say Brian and then it's absolutely poured over for days until the next time he has a, a press conference Um Jim, I'm going to come to you regarding how you would play the cent- central defensive dilemma, which has been a dilemma all season. We've now got eight, if you want to include a water, we've got eight centre-halves and we're struggling to, to, to get a pairing. I think Scales and Lagerberg have done really well when you consider how they were thrown together. Um, I think we've got a bit of a star coming out of that. With um, Scales, Lagerbelt probably played more games than he would have expected at this stage. But how do you play it? Are you the, the type, Jim, who would say, listen, Forget Lazio. We've got two games before that and we need to concentrate on those two games. Forget Lazio. We've got two games before them and let's concentrate on those games. <laughs> I know that was pretty naked gun there. You set him off for that one, Paul. I know. Thank you. Uh, what was the question? No, I think uh, I always play the strongest team. Uh, and, uh, th- you know, it's going to be a difficult game tomorrow. And I think what I said earlier was the fact that we, we haven't been firing on all, on all cylinders. We've been a bit pedestrian. We don't have a lot of intensity, high tempo in the team. Hard, hard game. So tomorrow, uh, maybe cover that in a minute. <laughs> Centre-backs, uh, the two lads did really well the other night. So I would always play the strongest team. And we don't know what's going to be the situation in a week and a half's time against Lazio. Maybe somebody might be coming back from injury. We've been incredibly unlucky. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that we've not been too clever this season, we've been unbelievably unlucky. We bring in an emergency loan centre-back and he's injured as well. It's just, it's just 
mad to have that many centre halves and they're all injured. So I, I kind of sympathise with that. And if we'd have, if maybe we'd have dropped some points because of that, I'd have said, well, fair enough, these these things happen. But I think the defence has been pretty good. You know, clean sheet against Dundee last week, clean sheet against St Johnson, though we didn't score, you know, uh, clean sheet at Ibrooks, you know, and up till half time the other night, we're looking pretty confident. So that's the best centre half pairing at this at this point in time. As one of the lads said earlier, Scales has got the jersey. So even when everyone's fit, I mean, uh, Noroski against St. Johnson, you know, that's first impression, I'm not saying write the guy off or anything like that, but he was about so-so. You know, Phillips against, uh, who was that, was it? Was it Dundee. 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 Yeah. Pretty so-so. Yeah, you know, Laggy Belka, uh, he's been re- relatively solid, no mistake. Scales, I can't recall a mistake Scales has made. He's been really, really solid. The fans got on his back at the St. Johnson game because he wasn't getting the ball moving quick enough. But from a defensive point of view, I think he's been pretty solid. So he's a certain start, obviously. And Laga Bielka, because he played really well the other night. And and we have to win these games because, as I've said before, I don't think there's much between the top two teams. It's been brilliant that we went to Iverson won, but I think they'll keep winning their games. So we need to keep winning our games. We need to prove our, prove our best team. And that's our best centre-half pairing at this point in time. So they both have to play. I'd agree with that. I, I'm not a big fan of Iwata at centre-half. I, I like him as a player. But I think his best performances have been as this central defensive uh, number six figure. Um, I do think he's a, a far better midfielder than he is a centre half. I also, Paul, is the fact that if you're a centre half and a guy gets to play centre half in place of you, you start thinking, what's all this about? You know, mm-hmm. I'm a centre half. Why, why are you playing him there? Why have you brought me to this club and you're Correct. playing a like, guy? Ah, exactly. Ah. Playing somebody out of position. Um, ah. Scales has been described as the new Ralston. But Magnet at 67 reckons he's the new Barese. Um <laughs> Stuart Ramsey comes in. I believe that performance on Tuesday will galvanise our team. I think so as well, because it, a, a few of them were kind of thrown in there. Uh, Palmer on the right-hand side, it was a sink-or-swim scenario. I thought Palmer looked like a rabbit in the headlights, but he came into the game last 10 minutes of the first half, and he started the second half okay, so I'm not writing him off, certainly not. I was surprised that he started. Uh, Marquis, the nine men who finished the game looked strong, even with Newby Bernardo on there with them. Boys composed, good on the ball, definitely one to watch. I'm going to come to you then, James. Do you think that um, Rodgers will throw any wild cards into the starting 11 tomorrow? Palmer was a bit of a wild card the other night. Does Bernardo get game time, or do you see us going very similar to the starting 11 on Tuesday night? Yeah, just to touch on Palmer, I think a lot of I've seen a lot of Celtic fans kind of writing him off already. He's uh, his career Celtic's already finished, but um, I, I was quite impressed with it. He seems quite tidy on the ball. Obviously, doesn't seem to have that blistering pace that Milo or Abada has, but he looked quite tidy on the ball and just kind of lacked probably his first game in a Celtic shirt. Lacked that bit of confidence to kind of go and really have an impact on the game. But yeah, I think Livingston away. Obviously, David Martindale is always going to be a, a tricky game. Um, I think Lagerbelt would be be a real, real test for him because we know how physical Livingston are as a, as a team, the way they play. Um, I think it'll be a real test for him in terms of team selection. I think Rodgers will go with the, the best um, the best case team, really. Um, Livingston away, tough game, and I think he'll want to kind of get a, a run of games with the, a kind of a similar similar players because like, we haven't really had that. A lot of injuries, a lot of... Um, disruption in our start and eleven and then he'll want to kind of get a run of games going with his best um his best eleven. Mm. Uh, I'd like I'd like to see kind of maybe home coming in for a I think 
maybe maybe start Tate and try and get his form back. But I thought Tate probably doesn't really deserve to start again after the final the final one. But yeah, I think we'll see definitely see more of the same um, for Livingston away um, in terms of team selection. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It always is. I think that was a couple of surprises. Um, Hatate going right back in. Um, was he fit enough to start? Well, obviously, they thought he was. And, he, and he's played a, a role where he was really high up the park. He was really pressing uh, Feyenoord's back line. And uh, I found that quite unusual because, obviously, he wasn't right back up to match sharpness at that stage. But it was maybe back to the plan. He only lasted 57 minutes. Um, Brian and Jim, I'm just going to, for a moment, uh, take you off the screens because there's a there's a wee uh, detail on the logo uh, on the back that uh, I'm going to point out just for a moment. So you see that on the right hand side, ladies and gents. That is the um, nominations and the awards that we have won over the last few years, and uh, we're very very proud to have six of them on that wee graphic. Me with my uh, deluxe paint Amiga 500 um, skills technically was, was able to pull that together and uh, just as I did that I might have to do uh, another one because they are going to be announced, the, the finalists are going to be announced on Monday, these things come around really quickly don't they, so anyway the uh, finalists will be announced on Monday hopefully Axon will be in the mix by 12.30 we'll be able to confirm or otherwise whether or not we're going down to Anfield for an away day for the big awards ceremony in November. So I'll keep you posted as always. It's always great to be nominated because a lot of people put a lot of hard work into this. So it would be fantastic if um, we were down there and got a wee night out out of it as well. The urban culture. Here we go. The shape was fine the other night. I agree with that. I want to talk a wee bit about Brennan Rodgers' game plan. But before I do that, um, let's talk about Livy tomorrow. Uh, James has touched on what he thinks about tomorrow, Lloyd. Um, we always go on about the park. I don't think Ange Postacoglu had an issue with the park. We had a really good record there under Ange, didn't we? Yeah, we had a good record under Ange, but under previous managers, we didn't. And I think Brendan was one of the first ones to get a point at Livingston when they first came up. So, it's, listen, it doesn't matter, pitch or anything. You put the team in the park, the team in the park should be good enough to beat Livingston. That, that's the way it should be at Celtic. The 11 players that start the game tomorrow should be good enough to beat Livingston. Now, there's a suggestion earlier about home. Home's a player, if you remove all the other stuff, the Instagram stuff, the sending off, as a player, I've been really, really impressed with him. I think he's he's definitely one of the guys you're looking at thinking, brilliant bit of scouting, brilliant bit of recruitment. Hey, listen, if we buy a 20-year-old and that's a 20-year-old you get, I'm happy with that. I just don't think we've got the balance right in that particular window. Do you bring someone else in or do you play Hatati again, Lloyd? Do you let him play through maybe um, a fitness issue or a form issue? Let him play through it, come back to his best. I think Lloyd has frozen. There we go. He's frozen up there. Is he frozen? I'm not sure. Blink. Blink if you're with us, Lloyd. Are you back? I'll come to you, Brian. I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. Brian. There's your witness protection video right there. I, I know. I've got two. Brilliant. Brian, what's your thoughts on that? The Hatati. Because for me, right, Hatati is... No, I'm frozen. In terms of... Ta Oh, you're back. No, he's he's back. there. He's back. Mad, mad, I'm I'll come so. back to you in a minute, Lloyd. I'll come back to you in a minute. I'm, I'm interviewing Brian now about that thing. So, Hatati for me, is one of the most naturally gifted players at the club. I think he has got up there with the highest ceiling in terms of where he can go um, and how he can develop. But sometimes it's not as simple as that. He's not on the best of form. He's obviously not got off to the best of starts under Brendan because he's only started one game. Is he fit? Do you start him? There's my question. Do you start him tomorrow, Brian? 
Yes, only because. So I think it was the wrong decision to start him against Feyenoord. I said that in the podcast. I think you should have started home and tried to do a bit more control in midfield. Yeah. And hit the counter. I thought, you know, putting Hitate in, you know, he lost potential, uh, possession a lot and, you know, he didn't track defenders, things like that. And you can get away with that domestically. Now, I sound like I'm hammering him. I'm not. I love Hitate. I think he's excellent. But I just don't think it was the right game for him. Whereas Livingston, I think, is the right game for him. I think you need just that little, little extra air lock, which is going to be a packed defence. So I would probably start him, unless um, Bernardo is doing really well in training, because I would be keen to see him. He seems like someone who's a bit more creative as well, and he's got a bit of physicality about him, which we need against Livingston. Um, but until we, we don't know much about him, I'm just kind of getting excited with the new toy when you want to see him. But <laughs> I think, uh, I, I think to be honest, yeah, Hitate starts... Um, just because you need that extra bit of, of creativity. Um, and I think Hitati's getting a bit of grief for Tuesday. And, you know, I was the one who's given it. I thought he was really poor. But it ultimately was Roger's decision to play him. And I understand his thoughts behind it, but it, it's got to be 50 50. It it's not just the player's fault, it's not just the manager's fault. Um, and it's funny you talk about recruitment as well and the new guys, because I think Hitati and Kyogo were probably two of their poorest performers on Tuesday. And they're probably our two best players. So it, it, it doesn't always work out that way. But yeah, long answer for a short question. Hatati starts. Hatati starts for you. I'm going to come back to um, Lloyd. Are you back? He's I'm here. He's moving. He's moving. Yes, he's blinked. He's so yep. at peace, you can never feel <laughs> his I know, he is. He's very, yes. very calm present, Lloyd. Zen. Zen like Definitely. Definitely not Zen at all. <laughs> what's, what's your take on it then, uh, Lloyd? Because I know, listen, I'm always of the view you play your best team, I get it. But I do have one eye on Lazio. So that, that was why I was asking a question about the centre-halves. I don't know where we are with Hatati yet. There's there's differing views coming through in the comments section here. Uh, Marky reckons it's a sub-bench for Hatati and Maeda. Ma- I think Maeda's come on to a, a really, really good game. Maybe that's just a tactical thing that Mark is suggesting. Um, opinionated Glaswegian. Uh, reckons we should rename it a crime watch state of mind. That would work. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then we've got John McLean who comes in, who's got a different view on Facebook. Hatati was one of our shining lights for the first 10 to 15 minutes on Tuesday night. Kind of the opposite of Palma. We'd like home to get uh, time as well, along with Hatati to get match sharpness, but can't drop Matt O'Reilly, um, the now our best player so far this season. Great point was made yesterday as well, and on Wednesday by John Hughes in relation to to Matt O'Reilly because he was dead on his feet, but it looked as though he was doing a lot of the defensive work uh, that you might don't you you might not get rather from Hatati Lloyd. So basically, mm-hmm. what I want you to do is pick the midfield for for Brendan Rodgers tomorrow. I think it'll be the same three that start again. I I, I just think Hatati needs that bit more match sharpness because, like everyone's saying, he is one of your best players when he's on form. And if you were going to pick a midfield three all season, it would be Hatati O'Reilly and McGregor. O'Reilly, for me, is just undroppable at the minute. He's literally been, so far, the standout player of the season. And Joe Hart's also had a good game, good season as well so far, but O'Reilly, for me, is miles above everyone in that team at the moment. So I would definitely go with the same midfield three. Oh, he's been, he has been fantastic. There's no there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and when you look at the, the team for tomorrow, Jim, pick your best team. The question is, though, what is your best team? Matt O'Reilly has been, for me, the best player this season, if you're to look at the, every game. Um, I think Scales is, at the moment, undroppable. I think Hart has shown his worth. 
Um, Johnston is a is a, a monster uh, when he's on form. So, what do you do? I think that the big question mark for me is around probably Hatati and um, Palmer on the right. Jim, yeah. what do you do? I think you, you you play your best team for the game. I think, uh, and I think fans are quite fickle. I think a lot of people on Hatati's back. The only it wasn't his best of the game, but he's a he's a risk taker. And if you're a risk taker, sometimes you make mistakes. He came on last week against Dundee. He completely transformed the game. Uh, Livingston tomorrow, I think, will be difficult. St. Johnson came to Celtic Park. Dundee came to Celtic Park and were dead comfortable. De- With those wide open spaces, they were dead comfortable. Livingston, tight park, horrible surface. We need as many players on that park who can do something with a ball. Hatati starts, definitely. And although I wasn't too impressed with Palmer, I'd, I'd actually play Palmer tomorrow and Yang on either side because we need to create things. I mean, Maeda's great for pace, but I don't think that's the kind of game that we're that fussed about pace. Yeah. We need yeah. to create things. So mm-hmm. you go with the same three. Hatati, uh, uh, as I said, I think people are a wee bit, a wee bit hard on him. He's a, he's a human being. Sometimes you don't play as well as you, as you could. But he's such a great player. He's a risk taker. He'll take shots from outside the box, which could be kind of vital tomorrow. So... I think the team kind of picks itself. I think uh, that one decision, do you, do, you, do you keep Maeda or maybe give Palmer? On form, I wouldn't have played Palmer, but I think in that kind of pitch, tight B park, we need a lot of creativity. And hopefully he plays tomorrow and plays really well and then starts to kick on. But as one of the guys said earlier, it doesn't look as if he's got a lot of pace. So hopefully he does have a lot of kind of skill and is able to create things. And that will be needed tomorrow. Yeah, I'm going to come to the rest of the team on that point. I, I think it's a great point in terms of the wings because I, I have been saying that we lost that um, type of player when Jota left the building, the type of player that can take on a man, take on a couple of men, create something out of nothing. Uh, Maida and Abad, does a lot of their plays about pace, anticipation, but we do seem to have two wingers in Yang and Palmer James who are able to take on a man who are willing to run at their man, take them on. Um, do you subscribe to what Jim was saying there? We might actually play one or both of them tomorrow. Yeah, I think Yang was really positive when he came out against um, Feyenoord the other night, kind of running at them and being more direct. Um, been really, really impressed with Yang um, since he's come in now. I think yeah. coming from Korea, obviously, um, coming to Scotland, it's a bit of a culture shift, but like, I think he's been brilliant every time I've seen him in a Celtic shirt so far. Um, Palma and Yang, yeah, I definitely subscribe to what um, Jim was saying. I think that's that's definitely um, probably the right choice to go with uh, against Livingston. Might is obviously brilliant for his work rate, um, brilliant pace, but I think he just, we know his technical efficiencies at times. Um, and I think Palma and Yang would kind of just offer more creativity for us uh, in the final third. Um, and... I think I think Palm, Palma could be um, hopefully will step up on Saturday and show Celtic fans that his his uh, Celtic career isn't finished after one game. But um, yeah, I think uh, Palma and Yang definitely is the is the right choice. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see the pair of them on the park at the same time. I'm going to go around the 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 room, the virtual room. I'm going to ask you a question based on Tuesday night, based on all the. Um, mitigating circumstances, I guess. The circumstances, Lloyd, that you know, Brendan Rodgers had absolutely no control over uh, going into that game. And then during the game, the things that you can't manage, you know, losing two, two players like that. And we've seen Brendan losing a, a player at, at Ibrox and, and making a tactical decision that was superb 
um, in relation to was it Big Simunovic got sent off mm-hmm. and, he, and he brought on Edward, uh, raised a few eyebrows, won the game. So I, I think that there's certain occasions where Rogers is able to deal with that adversity. Tuesday night wasn't one of them. The injuries is, is something that he can't control. From what you've seen though, by the time the final Champions League game comes round, Celtic Park Feyenoord. I, I heard a bit of fighting talk from Brendan Rodgers after the game. I'm just going to ask you the simple question. Can we beat Feyenoord at home, from what you've seen? Yeah, of course we can. There's nothing to distract that performance that tells me we can't beat them at Celtic Park. Because for 45 minutes, we were well within the game, up until the free kick got given away, and then we got two players sent off. We were well in the game. Just one chance was all we needed to take. and We didn't take any, really. But it's also got to come down to the other games as well, I think. Because you've seen me, Atletico Madrid and Lazio, if they're taking points off each other as well, it, the, the group's wide open. Mm. So anything anything still harm. Yeah, and, and again, I've said this before, I think it, that was key to the nine men, Brian, being really disciplined um, because it could have turned into a 3 4 5 nothing drubbing. As, as Jim rightly says, they missed the penalty. They had two goals chopped off. I think rightly, by the way, I thought the VAR was brilliant on that on that occasion, but it could have got embarrassing and that really could have damaged us. We could have been looking at this group thinking we're minus five already in terms of goal difference. Um, what's your thoughts? Can we beat them at Parkhead? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that while, you know, I, I've got a wee bit of a cloud over this season, as I said, and I don't think there was loads of quality in show against them, I think that the attitude was tremendous. And I think that's one thing that Brendan Rodgers has done really well. I think the attitude's been really, really strong. I think like, you saw that against Rangers, and I think you saw it against Firenode, because we could have collapsed. But it was a real strong mentality and desire to go, no, let's let's not be embarrassed here. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that once, once we get players up to, to scratch a bit. You know, your Palmas get Hatati back to full fitness, see what Bernardo's got to offer. Um, you get a strongest defence back. I don't think there's any reason we can't yet. I still, I'm still quietly confident we can finish third. I like that confidence, Brian. Um, a few wee comments to come in before we wrap it up. Um, the underwater cabbage salesman, Lager Pint, is used uh, used to these plastic pitches. Him and Scales tomorrow. That would be a central defensive partnership. Marquis Awata looks like one of our best players. His close control is up there. Mark, I thought it was just me that thought that Awata was a decent footballer. We've not seen anything of him other than Tuesday night's performance. By the way, I, I must point out, Scales was brilliant in the preseason again. Um, as well. I, I, I forgot about his performances in Japan and against Wolves. I thought he was excellent. Pat Maguire home is a player, top notch. I think he is. He's been a very good signing, just 20 years old and he's uh, got the he's got the right coach to work with. Michael, 89, play the game on sand or red blaze. We should be beating Livingston comfortably. Jim Orr, what's red blaze? Can you let some of the younger viewers know what red blaze is? For you, was it? Hey, <laughs> Actually, back 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 in the sixties, we used to play in black ash sometimes, and it was like black coal. So it was like coal, uh, flat coal, and and red ash is a bit like red coal. Can <laughs> you imagine playing in red coal? It was a, uh, it wasn't any good. But things have moved on now, and there's pitches, great pitches all over the place, and kids have fantastic surfaces to play on. You've never had it's a good you youngins, but yeah. No, you're bring right. back the red, bring back the red ash. Bring back the red blaze, Mark E. Uh, we're usually too cavalier in Europe, but Brendan Rodgers looks to be sorting that. Just need to find our attacking edge. I did think the game plan was was excellent, Mark. Um, and I would have loved to have seen us 11 v 11 for the entire game. Hence the reason can we beat them at Celtic Park. I think we can. Celtic follower, 
it'll be Lager and Scales starting. No point risking Phillips on that pitch. I'd start O and Palmer and keep Kilgan Maida on the bench. So some are looking ahead to the Lazio game, it would appear. Um, we've already mentioned the Football Content Awards. Hopefully, Axom are in the discussion. Sell the jerseys is the initiative that we are running for we, Jamie Tierney. He has a, a, a disorder, a disease, something that targets his muscles. And, and you know what? There's no cure for it. But there is treatment. And we're hoping to raise cash to help his family pay for some of the treatment. This is one of the jerseys that's came in. Jazzy or what? Uh, nice neon classic jersey. It's got Lambert 14 on the back. So I'm wondering if it was maybe worn in one of these bounce games. Hopefully it was. This is one of the jerseys. We've got around 100 at the moment. Keep them coming in and we will be able to raise some cash for Wee Jamie. There's a link underneath this video as well. Um, I'll be with Chris Sutton. Love a bit of Chris Sutton. Live at Don Max next month on the 6th of October. 12 tickets left if you want to come along, meet some of the Axom troops and listen to Chris Sutton absolutely destroying me on the stage, then there's 12 tickets left and the ticket link is underneath this video. It's always a pleasure. I'll be back half an hour before the game tomorrow uh, to discuss the start at 11, um, 12 o'clock, and I look forward to that. Thank you, everybody, for joining us in the comments section. And also, thank you to Brian and Lloyd and James and Jim for joining me on a Celtic State of Night. Network.